Little did you know you are strong, smart, insightful, beautiful, hilarious, loyal, and loved. The podcast you need to navigate your 20s. Little did you know with Shelby Eastwood. you guys a huge apology uh summer started and i just kind of stopped updating podcasts or putting them out and i'm super super sorry i apologize it's been a crazy summer so far to say the least um it just i just needed a minute to like catch my breath after the hectic school year and being at three different schools in the last god 10 months of school it's just it's been a lot and I just needed a second to breathe (laughs) which turned into a month of breathing but you know you got to do what you got to do right um summer's been fun so far the first week I uh tore a ligament in my ankle on a trampoline park with my brothers so that was nice spent the whole first day of my trip um in the ER for four hours for them to tell me that it was that they didn't know what was wrong with it And so my kinesiology degree kicked in and was like, well, I can't walk on this, so I'm gonna have to wear a boot and crutches for a while. And now I'm finally out of the boot. I have uh, just like a, it's not even a tensor band. It's like a a brace kind of, like the kind of braces you use when you play volleyball, the girls that the girls wore. Um, So it's still, I couldn't move any of my toes. So that sucked. And now I can move all my toes and like slightly slight flexions like slight uh dorsal flexion and extension and all that stuff so i can move it a little bit more just putting a lot of weight on it all at once and like too much movement makes it ache again so i'm just kind of taking that easy i went fishing that was fun caught a bass which i haven't caught a bass in like years since i used to live in ottawa um what else have i done a lot of work for my course <laughs> lots of readings lots of lectures i had to do i finished like an assignment yesterday in two hours that was like seven pages long so i did that oh i won a bursary for my program um saw some family that hasn't that i haven't seen in like 10 years so like that was cool and fun um sleeping <laughs> all the sleeping all the sleep uh which is amazing starting to slowly prep to for school again Um, which people are like, you're crazy, it's still July, but I like to do a little bit here and there, so that that way when we go back in September, or actually the end of August, um, it's less to do all at once, if that makes sense. Like a little bit here, a little bit there, and start collecting some supplies, so I've been doing that as well, and just trying to enjoy summer. (laughs) Um, Just relax and enjoying it, but there's always something to be doing, and all I really want to do is like lay on the couch and mindlessly watch Criminal Minds and play sims or animal crossing because i'm secretly still 12 and that's fine (laughs) but let's get right back into the swing of things um i'm super excited for today's guests today's guest uh, i have dr robin buckley on and she's going to we're gonna have a chat um mental health relationships you know all the all the fun jazz that you guys have been missing out on the last month so let's take a quick break and we will get her on Hi, Dr. Robin. How are you? Good, Shelby. Thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. 
us. Oh, thank you for taking time to chat with me. Um, where are you anyway? So I, my home is in Maine, okay. southern Maine, and then my brick and mortar is right over the line in New Hampshire. So okay. uh, the beautiful seacoast area of New Hampshire. So Aww, it's lovely. That's awesome. How's the weather down there? Uh, it's getting better. <laughs> it's getting warmer, and, and that is always lovely. Um, yes, I, I really have nothing to complain about from where you are. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it's been our, – our seven feet of snow is, has – melted quite a bit so that's good <laughs> yeah that's, that's great shelby i'm happy for you i was happy with our three feet so yep yep that's great oh uh, that's too funny um what so i kind of gave a little brief synopsis before you came on here but i want you can you tell me your story what motivated you do what motivated you to do what you do how did you become a doctor tell me everything <laughs> yeah i'll try and keep it short and sweet so I went into psychology because I really do. I was raised by parents who were in helping professions, so I all I knew I always wanted to help people. And human beings just fascinate me, particularly how the brain works and the brain influences everything we do. So, clinical psychology made so much sense to me. But the challenge I had was that the traditional mental health system is based on a intervention medical model, mm. which is wait till you have a crisis and then go get help. And yeah. that never aligned with who I am personally and who I am professionally. Yeah. So after I got my doctoral degree, I ended up actually getting trained as a coach long before coaching was an industry. And that's where it clicked for me because coaching is proactive and preventative mm -hmm. and trying to help people grow strong before there's a crisis, when they just feel like they want to do something more, they know they want to get to a different level. And that made sense for me. So I went into coaching, did a lot of executive. Uh, one second, one second, one second, one second. Executive coaching, the more I heard from my clients about their relationships. And these high-powered women, who are typically my clients, would talk about the relationships and why couldn't they be as successful in their relationship as their in their professional life. So over a period of about 10 years now, I developed my own model around couples coaching okay. and how to apply business strategies to get success in a relationship. And it has been a blast. So this is where I, <laughs> I so I love what you do. And I love like the whole idea behind it, but this, that's where I got a little bit confused. So like the term business model seems very like intimidating and like suit and tie kind of thing. Like explain, can you explain that a little bit more? Absolutely. I'd love to. So when we consider our relationships, in, at least in traditional Western culture, we dive in out of love and sexual attraction and we have these you know, amazing relationships with no blessed plan. Yeah. So we sure. just go in with, you know, just hoping and believing that love and, and sex will carry us through. And at least by the divorce statistics, that doesn't work so well. That it's not enough to, to not have a plan. But yet, when we think about creating a business, nobody ever just dives in with no plan, at least no one who wants it to be successful. True. So. You, you might love ice cream, but you're not going to create a whole ice cream business just because you love it and hope it works out. But that's what we do with our relationships. So with me and the couples that I work with, I help them create a business plan for their relationships. It gives them an opportunity to really talk about 
where do we want to go? How do we want to get there? Let's talk about our strengths on who can really like take the lead on certain areas of our life and then the other person can take the lead on other areas. So it really creates that structure that sometimes is missing in a relationship to build a plan. So while business framework seems intimidating, it really just comes down to putting as much thought into the long-term marriage as people do around the one blessed day of their wedding. Mm. Like couples will spend 250 hours on average and $25,000 to plan an eight hour wedding. Wow. But no time and no money regarding the 20, 30, 50 year marriage. Yeah. That's what you're you're so right and I never I never thought of it that way. Do you find more like it's like older couples who come and see you, younger couples, like are they married yet, not married yet? Like what's what's kind of the range you see? Yeah, it started mostly with the the couples who had been married for a while and were in a rut mm-hmm. and just they weren't as happy and satisfied, but they knew they wanted to stay together because yeah. I don't work with couples like in a last ditch effort. That's therapy. Yeah. And that is clearly where, you know, couples who are like, I don't know, we have one more step before divorce. They go there. My couples who have been together are just like, you know, we know we can be better than this and we want to be better and we want a better plan for it. And that's how it typically started. Now what I'm seeing is more and more of younger or couples about to make a new commitment where they want to plan before they dive in because they, they want it to be successful. And so taking that time to think it out and plan it out becomes important an important part of the process of the commitment yeah so either young couples who've never made a commitment or older couples who have made a commitment before that didn't work and they're like yeah I don't I don't want to make that mistake again so let's do it a different way I love that I I've never heard I've talked to a couple coaches before but I've never heard I never even heard of that before I started doing this podcast, which is kind of really cool because it like I know like therapy, couples therapy, and all that stuff. But the way you kind of describe that, like proactively for couples and in a relationship, that makes so much sense. Like, yes. how did that yeah. nobody I know think of that before? Well, now I know you, but <laughs> why, why wait until things are so bad? That's yeah. why a lot of couples shy away from couples therapy because. It is that inter- intervention model when things are bad, mm-hmm. they know it's going to be painful to go in and yeah. talk about it. They don't want to do that, and I don't blame them. So for me, for me, the brief time that I focused on couples therapy, I was like, this is horrible. Like, it's it's so, I give such credit to people who can do it long term and really not burn out. But for me, I'm like, I want to work with couples who are really like, no, I love you. I want to be with you, but things aren't good right now, and we want to fix it. What do you notice is like the biggest problem that they want to fix? Is it just like, because I know communication is a big thing. Do you find it mostly that or something else? Oh, that's a great question. I, I, um, I'm going to whittle it down. I honestly think that couples just don't get, make the opportunity to talk about their relationship Mm. as often as it would benefit them. So one of the things I talk to couples a lot about is when do you do, you know, at work, you do an annual review every year in a a successful organization. They review you and make sure that you're aligned with the organization, the organization's aligned with you and all that. But how many couples actually sit down and do a strategy session, an annual review about their relationship? Now, I usually tell couples, don't wait for once a year. Why not do it once a quarter where you sit down and you talk about, are we still aligned with our, our vision? Are we, you know, is there any pain points that we need to work out? And a lot of couples will say, well, oh, yeah, we do that. We go on dates. I'm like, no, 
dates are romantic, fun, sexy. Like that's the emotional yeah. fun connection that most people associate with a marriage or a relationship. I'm like, your review sessions are strategy and business. It is scheduled as such. You make sure there's no distractions and you sit down with each other. And maybe it's 10 minutes because everything is like clicking and aligned. And maybe it's an hour because things are a little off and you're able to readjust before they become problematic. So that's the, I, that umbrella is, I just think that people are busy and they get very distracted mm. by everything else, including the collaterals in their life, the kids, the in-laws, whatever else, the dogs. Yeah. And this allows them to start to really, whether it's the work with me or the work they do in between sessions, to really make sure that they are as connected as they can be. That's awesome. I um, It's funny because I'm taking... So I'm a, I'm a teacher and we do, there's a lot of like professional development for teachers and stuff like that, but mental health is a big one that I noticed wasn't available um, to teachers as a professional development in Ontario. So I did a little bit of research and I found a university that's offering like a certificate. So long story short, one of the courses I have to take for that is clinical psychology. And I learned recently, um, like we're, it's kind of diving into therapy and the different kinds of therapy and all of that stuff. And, um, they talked about one where if it's, let's say it's a female therapist and a couple comes into it, the the male in that couple, if we're talking heterosexual couple, is less likely to, to like talk or express their feelings. And if it's a male therapist, it's opposite. Do you find that like with your, with your coaching as well? I don't because I... My communication is a business, it's a business communication mm-hmm. style. So we're not digging into emotions. And I will tell couples flat out, emotions have no place here. We're talking strategy. And anything that happened in the past doesn't matter because we can't change it. So I certainly, if a couple is, I do screen couples to make sure that there's no act, active or recent mm-hmm. infidelity, addiction, abuse, or a significant loss because that's therapy. Yeah. But after that, it doesn't matter what happened in the past. I don't care what, you know, you are squabbling over because we can't fix that. But we can fix where you are now and we can make it so that you get to where you want to be. Do you find some people struggle with that? Like they just want to like tell you, be like, oh, he did this. (laughs) I find what I most often find is people initially struggle with this concept of a marriage like a business. Mm, They're like, no, it's about, you know, again, love and sex. And I'm like, those are the bells and whistles. You need the foundation to make the bells and whistles really do well. So, um, yeah, every once in a while people want to talk, like hash it out. But the most fun thing, Shelby, and it happened a couple weeks ago with a couple, I was about a month now, a couple I was working with, they were in different time zones, which very often, you know, because the couples I work with tend to be pretty high, highly driven. And we're doing a Zoom call, and the husband started to get a little bit riled up about something that had happened. And the wife was like, hold on, hold on, hold that thought for one second. And I see her digging through, like, her briefcase or whatever it was, and she pulled out, she had printed out their their business plan for their marriage so far that we had worked on. And she's, paid, she's like, look, here's our SOP. That you skip step three. That's why this is getting hard. You skip step three. And I watched the husband totally like sit back in his chair. He's like, oh my God, I, I did. I'm so, yep, you're right. I missed step three. Let's go back. Like they, she settled him, but it wasn't like, stop yelling at me. It wasn't an attack. It was just like, here's our protocol. We need to go back to it. And he was like, yep. And I just sat there like, I, I don't know why I'm here. You don't need me. You're like on the right track. That's where I'm, I love watching. 
I'm so honored to be able to watch that work itself well in the relationship. That's, that's so cool how like that strategy and thinking and that mindset kind of turned things around. Um, when you were, when I was perusing your, your website and stuff, you mentioned something about using um, cognitive behavioral strategies when you work with your clients. I know like CBT is a big type of therapy. Like how do you kind of incorporate that when you do your meetings with, with your clients and yeah. couples? It's the, it's the same approach yeah. as in therapy. You know, I, the, the difference is when people ask me that is if it's being used in therapy, then we're dealing with a clinical issue. If yeah. it's being used in coaching, then we're just dealing about how to change the thought process that's creating the emotions that we don't want, that are getting in the way. So very often it's, you know, how, and one of my colleagues has a great statement about how do we train our brain so it doesn't get in the way of the game. Mm-hmm. Now, he works a lot with athletes. So his tagline works really well. But that's what it comes down to. How do we get our brain to work as our ally rather than our adversary? Because often when our emotions are churned up, well, every emotion comes from a thought. So if we can identify the thought and we have a strategy to change the thought, then our emotions become effective and what we want it to be. So see, the, the approach of cognitive behavioral strategies is so effective with couples. And I love it. Can you give some examples? Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, <laughs> think that off the top of my head. All right. So, actually, one that is really common. So, typically, when couples are in a, a negative space or not a good space, they're they are training their brain to see the negativity in their partner. So they 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 absolutely they absolutely like so that everything validates what they're starting to think about their partner. Like he's lazy, he doesn't help me, or she's always nagging me, whatever it is. Our brains are lazy. And if we don't tell our brain what we want it to focus on, what we want it to, to really um, like be our, our fixation point, it's gonna take the easy path. So if we're on a, a habit of, yep, I, my partner's being obnoxious, I don't you know like them right now, our brain's going to be like, oh, okay, let me find you all the evidence to support that thought. Because it's easy. It's, it's, it's lazy. It's going to take that route. Instead of saying, you know what? What I want my brain to focus on are the good things so that we can take care of the bad things. So, all right, yeah, you know, she's she's seems like she's nitpicking me, but I, I really know that she's just, you know, worried about my health, and that's why she's nagging me about what I'm eating. And, you know, he's you know, out there, he's always distracted, like taking care, you know, or fixing the, the house, but I know that's because he wants our house to be beautiful for me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's telling our brain what we wanted, and what a lot of people will mistake it for. They'll say, well, so we're just supposed to ignore the bad things? That's not it. We still see. We're still going to deal with the bad things, whether it's in our relationship or in the world, but our brain just doesn't settle into it and start like finding more and more evidence that the world is horrible or our relationship is horrible. Instead, it's, yeah, there are some things we want to, want to work on that aren't working well or we don't like, but overall, he or she is a good person. He or she is the one I still want to be with. Yeah. So that's a very strong cognitive behavioral approach called priming, where it's telling your brain what you want it to be focused on. And once couples start doing that, it, again, creates that platform of, okay, let's let's move forward because they're more positive about each other and about their relationship. Yeah. So that, that's very clearly a, one, that's, of, one of the... That's like when, you, when you're dealing with, like, anxiety and stuff, right? Like, so you, so you don't yes. stay in that ruminating state mm-hmm. to, to and changing your mindset so then 
anxiety attacks or panic attacks don't ensue. That's the exact same thing. What you're talking about just reminded me of that. It's exactly yeah. yeah, it is. I mean, you're you're talking about it from a therapeutic approach where you know it might be instead of being stressed out that you're about to meet new people. Yeah, I'm really excited to meet new people and to like practice my strategies in public. So you're telling your brain you're excited instead of anxious, and your brain's like, okay, now it's not easy. It's not going to flip like that, but eventually your brain will be like, okay, all right, we're excited, we're excited, and it'll start to follow that because you're telling it what to do. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So if so, if you had to be a little bit more specific, I know that I know that the way everything you've kind of shared so far, you would say making a going into a relationship with a business approach would help people strengthen their relationship longer term. What specific advice would you give people to kind of help with that to make sure that their relationship is long lasting and sustainable? So first and foremost, we, we already touched on it, is making, not making, scheduling into yeah. the calendar time to review the relationship. That is, if I, if I had to pick one, that would be it actually. Mm-hmm. That um, for couples who are really struggling, I'd say once a month. For couples who are in a, a decent place or a good place, once a quarter, where you just touch base and yeah. check in with each other. I think that, um, in my perspective, couples can find benefit in making a mission statement, just like oh, yeah. every business out there has a mission statement. It provides like the focus and the goal of what they're getting to. Again, just like a business, mm-hmm. and couples can use it as a reference to determine if behaviors and choices they're making are supporting the relationship and supporting the mission statement or moving away from it. Would it be like really- would it be like saying, Oh, we wanna buy a house in three years? Like is it like that kind of business model or like nope. so okay. No, those those are objectives. Okay. And those are those are sometimes tied into like key performance indicators for whether they're achieving the goals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's all business. When people talk to me and I'm like, I love it. It's so fun. Um a mission statement is more kind of that overall approach. Like, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, off the top of my head, trying to think about couples that I recently were doing, but a couple I was working with today was talking about, they're, they're just formulating it, so it's not quite refined yet, but the male partner said, you know, I want, I want it to be something about that we continue to allow each other to grow independently, but at the same time that our relationship grows together. And that kind of captures like that they didn't want to lose their autonomy and their very specific, you know, things that they love in their life. They didn't want it to be like that they had to share everything. But at the same time, they also did want to grow their relationship. So that's certainly going to be one of the sentences. And a mission statement is usually like at best three to five sentences at most. Yeah. So that will probably be one of the sentences they craft around their mission statement. So they keep so then they're in the middle of a decision. And they look at their mission statement and they're like, okay, is this either helping one of us grow or is it helping our relationship grow? And if the answer is no, it tells them not to do whatever that thing is because it's against the mission of their, their relationship. Mm, okay, I understand better now. I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, thanks for that question. <laughs> um, I have a couple personal questions for you now. Please. You open two of them? Always. Okay, what is the best relationship advice you've ever received? Because I feel like you've become an expert now. <laughs> yeah, and I've had a lot of trial and error too. Um, <laughs> yeah. the best relationship advice I've ever received. I had a mentor who actually just died in January, and she was amazing and very much like a mom to me. And when I was actually 
really not sure if I should date my, my husband, who had been my friend for 20 years. And I was like, oh, I'm going to mess up this friendship. She actually said to me, stop overthinking it and remember he's your friend. And your friendship is what will provide the platform for any relationship. So even if the relationship fails, Robin, you will have the friendship because it's a strong friendship. And that resonated so much with me. And I, I think played a little bit of the kind of the direction I went with this model because having that foundation, mm-hmm. not of love, not of, of anything else other than just that strong foundation. In our case, it was friendship. That's, and I got to tell you that dad, my husband actually uses it when we are in a conflict. He will say to me, I ain't talk to me like your friend. I am not your husband. I am not your, I am your friend. Talk to me like, like we're friends first. And it always brings me right back down to, yep, you're my friend. So that was, that was definitely some of the best advice I've gotten. And that's, that's, that's a good point to make. Like sometimes the best relationships do stem from friendships and stuff, but people are too scared to jump into that because they're like, I don't want to ruin the friendship or I don't want to lose my friend if we break up or what have you. I find that a lot. I find that a lot with, with people my age for sure. It's a tricky one. Okay, um, if you could go back and tell your twenty-year-old self anything, what would you tell her and why? Oh my goodness! <laughs> I would actually. So a lot of my Instagram posts. So I do these things on Sunday on Instagram called Sunday Soliloquy, where I'm trying very much to be very much more personal than um, the rest of my posts and that sort of thing. And I've talked about this a lot. Like when I look back at pictures of myself and and on Instagram, some of my followers are like, oh my God, it's so fun to see you as a 20 year old. And I think back to the woman I was and and the woman I was becoming and I didn't have a plan. And I, my my second husband, so I was in an abusive relationship for my first marriage, my second marriage, I dove right in because he was this fun, good guy that, really just took care of me and it was everything opposite from what I was coming out of mm-hmm. and we got married and we had kids and our marriage didn't work not because he wasn't a good guy but because I did, I wasn't even thinking about what I really wanted long term I was functioning so much on what I needed right then and right then I needed him but not for long term and so I think if I went back into my 20s I would I would say just take some time to really think about long-term who you're going to want standing by your side. Mm. You know, it was very clear. Like our drive levels are completely opposite to this day. That was not going to let, that was not going to be successful with me being such a a driven person. And he's not, which is not a wrong thing. It's just different and not very sustainable in my world. So yeah, just pausing and actually, again, if you have a plan for your career, why wouldn't you have a plan for your the eventual relationship that you want? And write it down. Make a plan. That makes me just, like, think about that a lot. Because you're right. Like, <laughs> I've had my, I got my teaching job at 23. But I knew the exact plan, the path to get there, what was happening, right. when it was happening. Like, exactly. I can I can look back and see every single step it was to get to that point at 23. And so, you talking like that, I'm just like, that's an, it's just, it's such an interesting rep- rep- approach. I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we just dive into dating with no plan, and I've actually started doing, I'm building a course for, um, I call, I say it, uncoupled individuals, you know, people who are, don't, aren't currently in a relationship, 
to help them develop a plan around how to get to the relationship mm-hmm. they want. And then yeah. no, there's no guarantee, but at least it's there's going to be less trial and error than when there's no plan. True. So, true. Yeah. True. That's that's super interesting. I'm so glad you got to share that with us. Thank you. Um, where can all my listeners find you? Oh, so I am active, very active on Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, just because it's I, out there. Twitter and, too. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, in a very recent attempt on TikTok, although my kids, my, uh, they're, I mean, they're older teens and adults. They think it's so funny because they're like you need to do DNC to make it fun. I'm like, no, I'm not on TikTok for fun. I am on TikTok to like reach a different, you know, a different group of people. But oh my God. Yeah, that one took a little while, but it's an <laughs> interesting medium. So. so Instagram, let's go with Instagram and LinkedIn. And then my website has all the articles that I've written or been quoted in or podcasts like yours that I've been on. So awesome. Awesome. And it's just Instagram. your your handle's just your name on social yeah, media? Yeah, just Dr. Robin Buckley. No periods, no spaces everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. I want to see these these TikTok videos. <laughs> I downloaded it. I downloaded it when the pandemic. Creative or you know or uh, or entertaining, but they definitely have good information. And I have had people reach out saying, you know, I didn't even know you were out there. So I found you on TikTok. I'm like, okay, so it's, it's you're and, like, and certainly for the younger generations, it yeah. definitely is a great venue. Oh, for sure. I downloaded it at the start of the pandemic because all my students were like, this TikTok thing and you got to learn this dance. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, what I found is my 19 year old daughter has friends who have found me on TikTok or she's told me and they're starting to hear some of this advice and they're like, oh my God, like about dating. And and I'm like, cool that's really cool getting it from somewhere yeah well yeah, even me at 27 never, never heard of that. So for 19 year olds to figure that out now, like that's that's awesome. I think it'll definitely help them because this that's from like 19 to even now like how old I am like it's relationships are a hot mess so any little piece of advice helps yeah well it's shown you're you're still learning about yourself and figuring that out so yeah it's of course it's going to be a a little challenging but doesn't have to be as hard or as unsuccessful as it is for a lot of people Oh, 100%, 100%. And your your advice is great and your what you do is great. So thank you for sharing. Um, do you do like clients just in the States or do you do like internationally or North America or? I have international clients. Oh, cool. So I have clients all over the globe and I have a lot of clients who travel all over the globe. So yeah. um, it doesn't matter if we can make it work. Oh, okay. Awesome. Just good to, good to know because for my fellow Canadian friends. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you for taking the time to chat. I really, really appreciate it. We're going to keep in touch. I'm going to shoot you a follow um, because I want to keep seeing all the great things you're doing. So, Shelby, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you. And we'll chat soon. Okay. She's such a sweetheart. And I love how she helps couples. Like, it's... Couples, I feel like, are really hard to work with because they're so different. You know what I mean? Like, they're—it's not like you're talking to one person trying to trying to work through something, an issue that one person has. No, now you have two people that you're trying to deal with and trying to navigate that and making sure both people are heard and both people um, feel understood and like listened to, and that's really tricky. So, I'm very proud of her for doing that and like helping couples get to where they want to be um yeah I feel like in my first relationship if there was anything I would have changed in my very very first relationship it 
probably would have been couples therapy. But we were also way too young to kind of um, begin that. Not begin that, but, like, too young to, like, seek that out, I guess. We didn't really have the the resources or the means to kind of follow through with that. I think it was mentioned when we had broken up or something that it, we wish we would have done that, but whatever. Um, who knows if it would have fixed anything then? Not that, like, I don't care anymore. Because <laughs> um, that's, like, old, five years old now, so whatever. But uh, I feel like it's something that couples can, can try. And I think it's important to do that before a big issue arises, right? Like, you don't want to go to therapy after something big has already happened. You want to go before the problem happens because then that way you're proactive, right? And you're you're learning how to communicate to prevent a big issue or misunderstanding or miscommunication from happening because you, you learn the tools ahead of time, right? So I feel like that's super important. Um, and something that um, Jana Kramer actually mes- me- mentioned in her podcast when um, she was with her now ex-husband, but I feel like that's a good tip for people as well. Um, but yeah, so hope you guys enjoyed it. That's a, that, that, that's an episode <laughs> and, uh, I'll see you guys all next week.